So let's everybody warm up, get to it. You guys ready to do this? Yes. All right. <laughs> we have with us tonight Mr. Daniel and Mr. Julian, the usual yeah. secret clan. And uh, tonight we are going into Hebrews chapter 3. Indeed we are. Excited to do it. Deeper into the wormhole. <laughs> it's like, like we're 13, I tell you. Th- 13, 14, and 15. How, how old are we actually? We no, don't really no comment? 13, no, no 14. Comment. <laughs> yeah. oh, okay, okay. You might not know this, what? but we are 15. <laughs> what was that uh, old sci-fi movie where they went to the edge of the black hole? Interstellar. No, no, no. It was, um... And they had, like, the little droids, and they were, like, proto-R2-D2s, or, like, knockoff R2-D2s. What was that movie? The one in the water? The Abyss? That was a great movie. No, it was in spa- <laughs> it was a space movie where they went, like, right to the edge. Of- was it called The Black Hole? The um, one from... I mean... I know that Soundgarden had a song called Black Hole Sun. Also they did, good. but that's not a movie. Also, uh, they had a music fantastic. video. There was a there was a movie called The Black Hole that came out in '79. Is that what I'm thinking of? You're too young for that. Yeah, 16 year olds wouldn't know that movie. Black holes. Anyways, we can look that up later. Back to the black hole of Hebrews. Yes, the black hole. But it's actually, I mean, okay, so maybe that's not a fair way to say it. I'm just saying it's a deep book. You know, there's a lot to it, a lot of density in Hebrews. So uh, I want to pick up in chapter 3, and then we can just kind of keep on going through that depth. And, uh, you know, the depth is really beautiful when you kind of really can appreciate it and see all the layers through it. Um, So why don't I just kick it off? I'm going to read... Three, uh, one through six, and then we'll see where we go from there. So it says, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more, glo- more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Right, so like the whole, kind of the whole beauty of Hebrews is this sort of trip through the Old Testament with an eye on Christ, right? We've already been there with like the angels, and then um, we were there last time with, with, uh, with everything in subjection to Christ, but he's, he's higher than everything else. And now, so we're kind of getting into this Christ and Moses comparison, right? Where how Moses brought the covenant, the old covenant, 
to the Jews, and in verse 2, Moses was faithful in all God's house, which is awesome. Like, we should aspire to that kind of <laughs> kind of thing being said about us as well. But Jesus is of a completely different category, right? And there's all these sort of categorical ways that Jesus is better than the angels because he's a son and the angels are created. And he's better than Moses because Moses was a servant, but Jesus is the, like, you know, is the builder. He's the son. And so he's over the whole house. And the, this progression through sort of Jesus through the lens of the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, is really the fascinating aspect of Hebrews that we get right here. Yeah, and they, I mean, they had a, they had a, a deep respect for Moses, right? So a deep respect starting back in chapter one, obviously, and the comparisons that are made, and God is upholding Jesus as who Jesus is, and I like what you said about the progression and talking through his comparison to the angels and that how like the how we couldn't we should not forsake like this message and and what we've heard and we shouldn't forget this and we shouldn't let it slip and then he takes this next step on top of someone who is extremely respected in this community right and beloved and he says even better than that I liked in uh, verse number one that, that he just gave us more to chew on about who Jesus was, right? Now it's um, consider the apostle, the messenger uh, and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, right? Even more. And and this is another one of those things that kind of, it, it wraps Jesus up into this giant bow, like all these things packed in. To say he's he's actually all these things, uh, and I know the comparison later, later, later in Hebrews makes it even crazier, but he is kind of all of these things all at once, and this is something that no that only that all these individuals could only be one thing, but Jesus is actually the culmination of everything, right? He's a I'm gonna go ahead and say it like you know you have Melchizedek, but then you have Moses here. But he's he's better than all that. He you have the angels, but he's better than all of that. He's he is the best of all things. Oh yeah, and it's like a whole different different level, you know, like comparing like a, a building to the builder. Like you know, the building is just the thing that's built, but the builder is the intelligence. The builder is the designer. The building's the executor of the thing, paying for the thing, uh, maintaining the thing, and caring for the thing. Um, so, you know, it just seems like. A, God, you know, Jesus is in, in a whole nother level, and that's a whole nother level compared to the person who's the most important person, probably, you know, that this, that this church that he's preached, or that he's talking to here would um, know who's Moses. And um, so it's like when you take, like, the most uh, faithful, important kind of father figure and, uh, and, and then put someone over him by a long distance, I mean, that's a pretty powerful statement, like you said, Julian. Yeah, in verse number six, so I think last time, see, what I'm getting is that I can pose questions like Daniel did, and it makes everything get really fun. So in verse number six, (laughs) (laughs) is this a metaphor on house compared to us? And if so, that's pretty interesting, right, about what Christ has built. 
-hmm. Look at verse number six. I've uh, New King James, but Christ as a son over his own house. What's interesting is that I know other versions actually say over his father's house, but past that, whose house we are if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. So I'm on the whose house we are part. I grabbed a... I think the ESV is more explicit. It says we are his house. Yeah. Indeed. There you go. We hold fast. Yeah. 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 Uh, I I just grabbed Amplified and it says, and we are his house. There you go. And we are his house if we hold fast our confidence and sense of triumph and our hope in Christ. Oof. Hmm. Yeah. And Jesus is the builder. So Jesus is the builder of the house. We are the house. And what is, okay, so then what does it mean then when it says, and we are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and are boasting in our hope? Like, what, is, what does that mean? What is holding fast our confidence? Just to break it down a level. Is that just well, uh, basically um, maintaining our faith? Yeah, I think it echoes back to uh, chapter 2, verse number 1, right? Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away, right? This is talking about not neglecting uh, the great salvation that he speaks of, right? Uh, Verse 3, how should we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at first uh, began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him, right? It's, It's... it's definitely not confidence in ourselves, right? And that that within itself is probably a very strong point that we should remember here. Like this is not about Daniel, Julian, uh, or Jesse and our confidence in, in who we are and what we think we could put up, but it's confidence in the builder and the one who built the house and his ability to save. I, it, it reminds me of Romans 1.16, right? It is the gospel is God's power to save. Yeah, and our confidence that he'll keep his promises to us. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that that steadfast faith. Um, what is it that Paul says? You know, finish the race, fight the good fight. That that continued trust and reliance on God. Oh man, that does sound like something Paul would say who wrote the book. Oh no, no! Sorry, didn't mean to derail it. Oh, man. Did you see? Did, it did you see? Did you see how Daniel said it though? He goes, "It's that thing Paul said, right? Not, yeah, it's not. It's not. Remember what he said. It's that thing Paul said. Well done, Daniel. A, well done. In a different letter. <laughs> oh, too good. That's funny. Too good. You know, right. but that's it. It's a piece that that we shouldn't forget, and and we should probably, you know, daily sort of just remember and be encouraged by is that oftentimes i think we think this fight is ours to fight it's it's definitely ours to participate in you better believe it because because all of our confidence is in the one who has already won uh but but if we think that we should be confident in our own abilities to 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 like I don't know, like trudge through this and be successful. We've got another thing coming. In fact, life will put us right on our backside uh, very quickly. But it's, it is in, as what Daniel was saying, it's in this, 
the confidence that we can have in salvation that comes through him, not not us. And then if you take, I'm going to go back to you again, Daniel, what Daniel was talking about probably two, two podcasts ago, when he was talking about salvation, not to only think about salvation in the sometime later on in some distant place, but also from the present world in which we stand now, right? Don't be lovers of the world in the world, not of the world type of situation. And when you think about that, that reminds us that our confidence has to always be rooted in Jesus, like like constantly. Uh, otherwise, we'll be extremely depressed, and we already know we'll fall on our face. Hmm. Yeah. That's a good distinction, definitely. Because we all fall short, right? Yeah. We all sin. We're never going to nail it. We're going to mess up in so many ways. We're going to lose energy, momentum. That's why Paul has to admonish us to like keep on running the race, like Daniel said. Like We're going to ebb and flow, but God is constant. God is steady, and he's the one that we can have confidence in to pull us through there. Yeah. yeah. Well, I always um, have to remind myself that Scripture gives us these instructions and these warnings and these uh, encouragements because we need them. If steadfast confidence and you know rock solid hope was our sort of default setting there'd be no need for this passage but our confidence slips all the time like our confidence in all kinds of things slips all the time like we know we know exactly what this means when we think about our work relationships or we think about like you know the, when we make plans with a friend and are they going to be there? Are they going to, are they going to blow it off? How's this going to work? Like, you know, we have different levels of confidence in different people. Um, so we know why we need these kind of warnings and scripture doesn't just give us these things just to fill space on the page, right? These things are there because we've got to be reminded of them over and over again. Mm hmm. And the confidence point really is, I mean, I think it's good that we're spending a little bit of time on it because it seems to be a little bit of a recurring pattern in, in Hebrews. It'll show up again several other times in other chapters. And um, so I think it's good that we take up the conversation now. And I think in his audience, to his audience, I think he's trying to communicate the idea that, look, this is like, this is for the real thing. Like, this is serious. Like, this is, this really happened. This is really like the hierarchy um so have confidence in it like i'm telling you the truth right this is like exactly how it works and and this is ultimately you know how you're going to find your salvation and um, understand your relationship with jesus like this you know you know listen to me hear these words and trust in it and have have confidence in this god in, in this message that i'm sharing with you and in the gospel message you would have already heard yeah agreed Cool. So then what does it mean to be boasting in our hope? And do we, do we boast in our hope? Because we're in his house on these two conditions, holding fast our confidence, which I think, you know, like yeah, this one I feel better about. Like, I think, you know, my confidence is there um, most of the time, I should say. Um, but boasting in our hope, that's an interesting condition to put around we are in his house. Um, so amplified well, of God. It's our hope sits. in Him rather than our hope in ourselves. Yeah, 
I've got right. sense of triumph it's... in our hope, but but I, I think it's the same thing. Go ahead, Daniel. I'm going to agree. I'm just kind of thinking ahead to of the end of the Sermon on the Mount, right? Building your house on the rock versus building your house on the sand. Um, and 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 what the status of those houses are. Um, just kind of tying those metaphors together that Jesus uses and that the Hebrew writer uses. Um, because, you know, in other places, the house is the church. We are the house of, you know, the church is that building built up into the house of the living God. And so our hope has to be in the ultimate fulfillment of his word. His promises will come true. His word will hold and and our hope is secure in him because of that. And so, you know, we can, I think all of this is just to make us more and more assured that God is who he says he is and that his son did, can do what he's promised us through the cross. Like, I think all of this points to our, our, our deep down assurance in the the faithfulness the the trustworthiness and the the holiness for for lack of a better word um of god and of christ his son yeah for sure i think um second corinthians kind of puts mm -hmm. our boasting in a in a cool way so second corinthians 1 and starting in 12 says for our boast is this, the testimony of our conscience, that we behaved in the world with simplicity and godly sincerity, not by earthly wisdom, but by the grace of God, and supremely so toward you. For we are not writing to you anything other than what you read and understand, and I hope you will fully understand. Um, just as you did partially understand us, that on the day of our Lord Jesus, you will boast of us as we will boast of you. Uh, because I was sure of this, I wanted to come to you first so that you might have a second experience of grace. So I think that's a pretty pretty cool way to put it. Yeah, I do. Uh, I, I will add to that Galatians 6. Um, you, you guys probably have this one tattooed on your arm. But uh, 6.14 but God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and yeah. I to the world. Right. It's he just makes it clear. He's like, yeah, there there is reason for boasting, but it's not in yourself. It's not your self-confidence. This is only in the cross of Christ. Because yeah. That, that is the only thing that really can give us supreme confidence and and a surety that it will not fail. That is it. That is the only thing. Yeah, there's nothing else that we get to boast in. <laughs> We're not worthy of boasting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you look, it, for a basketball reference here, like one of the biggest trash talkers of all time in all of basketball that ever lived was Larry Bird. And Larry Bird was a bad man. Bad, bad man. And for those of you who don't know who he is, you should go Google it. Larry Bird was insanely good, right? And he so talked bad, trash. Like Michael, Michael Jackson bad. Like Michael Jackson bad, like the Got bad it. album. Yeah. Um, see, that was also bad. Um, but <laughs> Larry was, all, I mean, pretty close to unstoppable. His crazy stuff. 
and and he 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 sort of boasted two other players, right? But at the end of the day, Larry boasted on on his own physical abilities, and the reason why is because he worked, and he worked super hard, and his skill level improved. Therefore, he could say, "Hey, I did this on my own, right? I did this." But at the end of the day, to quote Solomon about what eventually happens to our bodies, it happened to Larry and his back. He like blew his back out. Right. <laughs> so at the end of the day, his own hard work to make himself better deteriorated his own body. And therefore, all his boasting went to nothing. Right. Because all of the stuff that he boasted about that he built up himself, it it uh, it it went to like, you know the the foolish man who built his house on the sand and so there again it really doesn't matter what you can think of that you can boast in yourself unless it's in jesus and the cross like none of it will stand mm. and none of it's permanent enough and none of it's strong enough to withstand just life itself amen yeah that's that's a good example jumper yeah. larry bird i'd call that a slam dunk man larry's so good used to be used to be it used to be. Oh, that really ties together the sand analogy or the sand parable too. So I think that's awesome. Yeah. All right, so let's continue down. Well, let's just real quick on the Moses mm-hmm. point because the the point that Moses was faithful in God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. That's verse five. That's a reminder that Moses himself pointed to Jesus when he said that there God would raise up from among you a prophet after mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Listen to him, Moses Good said. Point. Moses knew that even his words and the law that was given to him would one day pass away when the, when the, the better prophet came along. And so tying Moses and, and his prophecy about Jesus... Uh, into the the idea of faithfulness, right? That Moses had to go and stand before the people and say, one day you won't listen to me anymore. You know, one day I won't be the man, and that's okay. Like, I think that that example of Moses' faithfulness really stands out for us, especially in this context we've been talking about of, of nothing but the cross and nothing but Christ. Um Moses understood that, and he's an example for us in, in how to how to boast only in the Lord. Ooh. You know what? This is and I, I this this reminds me of like when we used to be in the room together, like uh, geek, geek, geeking out over over Scripture. Because if we were together, this would have been the time that I would have pointed at you and done the oh yeah, I see where you're going. I'm with you. I'm with you. Well, the, I I was feeling it because when you went to Moses, I was like, oh no, you didn't. And then you give right that prophecy where he said, listen to him, and it's that that's interesting because I never thought about that in the connection with what's happened in chapter one, right where Jesus starts talk or uh, these are God, but he's talking over and over about these Old Testament uh, prophecies where we're talking about this. Uh, the supreme nature of Jesus, especially in like verse number eight, but to the son, he says, your throne, uh, O God is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness, the scepter of your kingdom. And, and later it's God saying twice, 
what Moses prophesied earlier. Hey, one's going to come like me of your brother and listen to him. Later, it's God saying it at Jesus's baptism, right? Here he is, my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. At the transfiguration, he's saying the same thing. And he says exactly what Moses did. Listen to him. Like, listen to him. yeah, this is so cool what you just did right there. I know Paul did it in Hebrews first, but... Uh, yeah, you like that? But I like what you did because because he's already hit them with it once. And if these are folks who know the scriptures, right? So all those hints from God, they could already hear. Man, he already said it twice. And now he hit them with this Moses piece. And you're right. They don't have to say, hey, you remember what Moses prophesied? Because I think I kind of think that's what he's hinting to in verse number five. Ooh, that's good, Daniel. That's good stuff. This is where I would have looked at you and said, mm, well, yeah. The thing, like, the thing about the Hebrew writer is that like every other verse points back to the Old Testament. Like The whole mm. thing is so immersed in the Old Covenant, the Old Law, the Old Testament, that like it's just, it's, it's an amazing, <laughs> Hebrews is an amazing study of the Old Testament viewed through the lens of Christ. Like mm. every so so much of Hebrews points back to um, the law of Moses and the prophets. Yeah. Cool. So should we read on, or is is there more you wanted to go and talk about? I will only say one more thing, and then you should totally move on. Otherwise, okay. okay. Um, you know, we were talking about this confidence and and have it being able to have confidence in jesus and i just want to stress the point because you know there are people listening and, and us you know on as we're talking tonight because uh daniel pointed out some circumstances that kind of plague you you know and you think about it day to day where it's it gets very difficult you know you get pretty bogged down but i even look at this comparison to moses and where they would have held him with much honor and respect, they they knew that Moses wasn't a man who who wasn't supremely confident all the time. And I think that's that's what that's the another beauty oh. of, of this, right? Right? <laughs> that's the beauty of it is that when he's like Moses, go. Moses said, "Nah, I'm not really. I don't really. I'm not really the guy to do the talking." Right, How and about he's you like, find somebody else, God. Yes, he's like, you go yeah. find. So he goes, oh, that's cool. I have somebody else, right? And the whole time he's like, hey Moses, guess what? It's not about you. It's about me. <laughs> I, I, you, you just need to put your confidence in me, cause I'll make it work. I'll, at every turn, I will make it work. And so when they look at Moses, if they once you get down here and you read verse number six, you go, oh man, and that's Jesus. We have to have and put our confidence in Him. Moses had to put his confidence in God to make it work because Moses didn't have everything that he had. Right. And we don't either. Hmm. That is such a strong point because mm. Moses had to be built into that role, right? He had to yes. be guided and led into it. It wasn't just, I'm Moses. Listen to me. Right. It's yes. What am I going to say to these people, Lord? How am I going to do this? I I can't even speak well. Get somebody, like you said. And he had to be built and shaped and directed into that, that, that role in God's kingdom just the same way that we... Man, that's powerful. Absolutely. Amen. 
Good yeah. call, Julian. That's <laughs> the Lord. <laughs> they call him the HS for HS. <laughs> Short for uh, starting in verse 7. <laughs> Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says... Okay, so it's chapter 3, verse 7. As the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, They always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, take care brothers lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Here we have the second of the big warnings of Hebrews, right? Not to fall away. Take care lest you have that evil, unbelieving heart. Um, calling us back to the Psalms, which then calls us back to the um, the t the period in the wilderness. Um, and that 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 period in the wilderness, that time of testing and and trial and, and hardship that they went through to to. to To see the, the strength and the truth and the honesty of their faith, right? And it mm -hmm. they struggled with it. Um you know, and then and then Christ's time in the wilderness mirrors that and he succeeded in the wilderness, he he passed the test where Israel stumbled. And so again, just kind of tying Christ back into the history and the story of Israel as a people. And showing us how, how everything in the Old Testament pointed to Jesus. And then mm -hmm. warning us, you know, based on history, based on experience, what you've seen in the scriptures, take this warning to heart. Right? Learn from the past. Learn from God's people who came before you and, and trust in him. Put your confidence and your hope in the Lord. I mean, it's powerful. I mean, in you know Psalms, it's saying they they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways, and then they shall not enter my rest. Like that's that's the punishment, not entering the Lord's rest. Um, man, that is it's, it's a very strong warning for sure. Um, and and we do always go astray today. Like all of us, we still always go astray, but. The reminder is here because we need to remember, like, there's a consequence to this. This isn't okay. <laughs> and we need to work hard to not go astray. And when we see each other going astray, we try and pull each other back. Like, the warning, you know, helps us as a community help each other. I think it makes us stronger as a community, which is why I think that verse 13 says, but exhort one another every day. Mm -hmm. it's, I'm surprised it doesn't say just on Sundays. But uh, it says, but exhort oh. one another every day, as long oh, as it sir. is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Kind of like closes out that warning. Yeah. 
that's that's that that's that go ahead no after you yeah i i was saying that that's really the the part that got me while it is still called today like the urgency on the urgency on like every every second is important and right now is important to like refocus right this isn't something where it's like well let's just hope people work it out like really this um this urgency to 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 build up the word of god in your hearts and i think this no i was trying to look up the the hebrew word super fast in verse number 10 and they have not known my ways i think that's uh someone can write and correct us but i don't think this is no like you know like i have this mental ascent i think this is the same no like you know adam knew eve kind of no on purpose this is a very intimate word like they have not known put this in my heart their ways they have not fully connected with it in a very intimate way my ways uh, i could be wrong I'm, I'm trying to look it up and talk but well a um, lot, see i think a lot of so much of this goes to um the new covenantal circumcision of the heart right because is it jeremiah 31 when god says i will put my word in their heart mm. and they will be my people and no one will teach his neighbor you know, no one will teach his neighbor one to another, but they shall all know me. Yes, there you go. And then I think Ezekiel talks about this this idea of the new cut, the new the circumcision of the heart of stone that will be removed in verse thirteen. That none of you may be hardened. That heart of stone will be taken away and will be given a heart of flesh, which is then the the dwelling place of the spirit within us, and where the word. Uh, lives inside each and every one of us. And I, I th- think this kind of heart shift that takes place in the new covenant versus under the old covenant. Um, and it, it, I'm struggling to put this into the right words, but there's so many things in here that come out. They go astray in their heart. They shall not enter my rest. The evil, unbelieving heart that none of you may be hardened um, in knowing God. It, it's so much of it just seems to point toward that that New Testamental covenantal shift of, of our hearts in relation to the Word and relation to God. Is that making sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it does. Yeah, this, th- yeah. And that, that, uh, I'm going back, that process of hardening heart and then not knowing, um, like, it, it seems to come across as, uh, not a natural thing, but a very intentional kind of dark evil thing. Like, it took work to make that happen. Um, and I was, I was thinking of that in light of, like, Romans, uh, Romans 1, 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in righteousness. Because what may be made known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. Right? And there's 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 really a sense of, of what happened in the wilderness over and over. God's goodness, his glory was made manifest to them. Right? They want water water was produced they want food manna they want food quail 
think again on the quail, right? They, they, whatever they need needed, God continued to provide. Um, but when, when it, remember before the water, they were ready to stone Moses, right? And and when they went to spy out the land, they came back what. Uh, at least most of them came back with an evil report. There was this thing where they didn't, they didn't have full trust. And even though they saw it and it was made manifest to them, they continued to harden their hearts. And see, um, what did you say, Daniel? This is the second warning. I think you just you started out by saying this it is, is the second it's warning. It is the second right? warning, yeah. and and the and first this, warning is to chapter two, verse one, the warning against drift. Yeah, and this. This kind of bleeds back to that, right? Because yeah, it's like I think it totally you know, does. Yeah, look at everything they saw, and you could even take Romans one eighteen. I think it's I think it's speaking to the same. Th well, it's a different sin, but it's speaking to the same type of drift. You can see it, you can experience it, you can be it can be all on top of you, but you can also intentionally turn away from it, push it away, and he says because of this, because this is something that we could fall into. Then I love what happens in verse number 13. That's why we exhort each other daily. That, that That's that's why we do this so hard because we don't want people's hearts to be hardened. Ours either. And it's really hard to do that when we reflect on everything we just read in chapter 3, 1 through 6, especially verse number 6. It's really hard when we're reminded of that. Yeah, and that drifting from the first warning that you mentioned, Daniel, um, you know, it's, it reminds me of um, basically, well, in Romans chapter 7, verse 5, it talks about if we're living in flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law, uh, we're at work in our members to bear fruit for death. So, like, the idea that, like, mm. the sin living in us, you know, living in the flesh, then, and that sin that creates eventually bears fruit, right? And that is not the good fruit that the Bible preaches about later in other places. So, I mean, this is the fruit that is the, the evil unbelieving heart. So it's like the drifting bears fruit and becomes this evil unbelieving heart. And, you know, this is the way that the sequence seems to build up at least because it's like the drifting in and of itself, like, you know, sounds mild. It just sounds like, you know, we all kind of drift sometimes. We'll all get back on track, but unchecked that drifting does become this other thing. And um, and and the results are catastrophic. They shall not enter my rest. Mm. Mm -hmm. Man, <laughs> catastrophic is like <laughs> right. Like it's like you you're looking for a word even worse than that, right? <laughs> yeah. And it, right. It, but but at the end of the day, like this this it really is that crazy, man that you couldn't enter the the rest mm -hmm. and i know that's like like so much of the thrust of chapter four but this is this is this is the hope of many 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 people in in these passages that we read especially in the persecuted folks in the epistles and it's our hope too man but but it is a voluntary like decision you know oh, oh yeah uh, and, oh yeah and the exhortation, though, in verse 13, like, I'm still like dwelling on this a little bit because, you know, exhorting one another every day, you know, to, as long as it's called today, you know, we're supposed to be doing this for each other so that we might not, you know, have a catastrophic situation here that we might not be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And, 
I don't know. I guess maybe this is a, a, a good takeaway message for today is that, you know, are you what are you doing to exhort one another? Like to exhort someone else in the faith. I mean, obviously you can say like, hey, your hair looks nice today. That's not the exhortation we're talking about. Like we're, exhort mm. them in the faith, right? Like how are we building our brothers and sisters up so that we're protecting them and not building them up just like a pat on the back session, building them up with the goal in mind of like we love them and we don't want them to be destroyed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, let, let's be honest. That takes some guts, man. I mean, if you take like the definition of exhort and go check out what Paul was saying to Timothy, like the the process of exhorting it, when you do it in a loving way. Hey, I'm not saying just because Paul said it to Timothy that Paul was saying it here. I'm just saying multiple people in the Bible use exhort. Paul does. Um but (laughs) Daniel won't bite Uh, but I mean if you take this 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 might take some guts to go exhort your brother uh, or sister Uh, but at the same time you're doing it because we all want to enter rest man and you don't want anybody to slide and and you don't want them to be deceived into just like getting tripped up by sin and having sin drag them out to the open water right where and they don't even they may not even realize what's happening. Oh yeah. They may not. I, 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 you know, you know, like the whole like, uh, like crowd. I want to say mob mentality, but it is that crowd mentality. Uh, <laughs> and it, and I could only imagine, right? If I were there, and and like, uh, the promised land spot out. You come back, and you know, and and Caleb's like, no, nah, no, nah, the place is good, guys. We we're solid. And Joshua's like, no, 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 it's good. And you know, you're one of those folks just kind of sitting there listening to the stories. And you're like, uh, all I heard was they're big, and they they're kind of scary. And uh, but the the stuff they brought back looks pretty cool. Uh, I've got two guys saying it's cool, and the rest are saying it's not. And just kind of allowing the the majority of the crowd to make statements like we we can't go there man we'll get crushed and just sort of slipping away with that right just that carrying you off and you don't even realize what you're doing and you you are like the poster boy or girl child for what we read in italics verses 7 through 11 right you just get carried away and see how easy it would be the next time something comes up where we're like, we're going to stone Moses because we don't have water. And you're like, yeah, let's do that. Right. And in our own lives day to day, it becomes very easy sometimes after the first kind of slide to just kind of keep going with everything. You don't even realize how far you've gone. Oh, yeah, for sure. Hey, one thing you might want to do, everyone listening, if you're not already doing this, and most people probably are. But if you if you don't have some kind of like a chat group or a text thread going with multiple like friends or multiple members of your church, start one and and participate in that text thread. Like send something out every once in a while that's encouraging to them, Um, you know, bring up like ideas of, hey, guys, what if we started doing X, Y, Z, like kind of create that dialogue and through that that consistent dialogue with one another. I mean, we can really be together every day, you know, technology being what it is, like it doesn't have to be a real time phone call, but we could be like encouraging, <clears throat> encouraging each other all the time. I know that like I'm on a group with, um, you know, some of the guys, well, actually you and Daniel and Julian, and I'm on, <clears throat> you know, a bunch of different groups, but 
there's some days where I'm like just doing the usual like morning, you know, coffee and start working. And then someone sends a scripture out that's like, man, this blew me away this morning. And I read it and suddenly I realize like, wow, you know, this has really centered me because I, I hadn't even thought about God yet today. Mm. Right. Like, I mean, that. I mean, maybe that's <laughs> maybe that's just me. But um, but those kind of things like <laughs> those go a long way and um, and really help to strengthen each other. And the energy you get from just talking about God and trying to do things together like that, I think is super valuable. Amen. Absolutely. Audience, you have your homework this week. <laughs> That's actually really good advice. And if you're not doing that already, folks, if you might be listening, do that. <laughs> oh, actually, Julian just started doing it already. He, he sent me a text. And Daniel. He can't help himself. And it says, hi, guys. He's got to be. Dot, dot, dot. He's got to be all up in there. This is an expecting text. <laughs> Exhorting text. But he, well, Exhorting. he corrected it on a follow-up text. A later, ex- yes, Yeah, yeah, you. he said, he corrected his spelling. But spelling errors come with the territory. I love yes, you, right. period. Thank you, Julian. We love you, too. <laughs> Stop sinning, exclamation mark. Thank you very much. There you go. So, I'm doing hey, my best. He got right to the point, you know? <laughs> I've been exhorted. <laughs> thanks for your check. exhortations yes yes check nice hey would it be awkward if you walked up to someone and just said hey can you exhort me is that not not you not should good? do that <laughs> try it <laughs> try it just try it okay uh, we have more homework okay that's your homework report back next week we'll tell everybody how it went <laughs> yeah all right thanks guys see you later all right, thank you guys you.